0: while attending the Trident meetings in Washington, he was still experiencing shortness of breath, his stomach ulcers were back, and his weight had ballooned, the product of too many old fashions and rich desserts. At five feet eleven inches, he was still stocky and broad-shouldered, but no longer the trim one hundred eighty-five pounds he had been at West Point. At the point, he had earned the nickname Happy, later shortened to Hap because of his seemingly perpetual grin. The grin was no more than a hereditary facial characteristic that belied his intense and often melancholy nature. Much of the intensity stemmed from an austere childhood. His father, Herbert Arnold, had been a humorless Baptist doctor, firmly set on his personal path to salvation. A rigid disciplinarian, he had raised his five children under the ascetic principle of all toil and no play. Young Henry had been put to work for a neighboring farmer at the age of seven. He hadn't stopped working since. At 08.20, General Arnold's command car arrived, in front of quarters number 8, to take him to the airfield at Gravelly Point, a few miles down the Potomac River. His transport aircraft was waiting for him on the tarmac. It was a four-engine Douglas C-54 Skymaster, and had been outfitted for a general's comfort the plane carried 26 passengers in plush leather seats that were positioned in group settings it was equipped with a full galley as well as comfortable sleeping compartments for long ocean crossings the president had one almost exactly like it with a cruising speed of 200 miles per hour and a range of 4000 miles it was perfect for the globe-trotting arnold Four army generals and several other staff officers were traveling in Arnold's party that morning, including David Grant, the Army Air Force's chief surgeon, and Arnold's personal doctor. Arnold and the other passengers were given a briefing in lifeboat drill before the pilot took off from Gravelly Point at precisely 0900. Off to their left, the white dome of the Capitol shimmered in the steamy haze as they headed north along the eastern seaboard. Eight hours and 1,600 miles later, they landed at Gander, Newfoundland. It was raining and cold, with low clouds and light fog. Most of the buildings at the airfield were newly constructed, corrugated steel Quonset huts, surrounded by vast stores of supplies and equipment, set out haphazardly in mountainous piles as far as the eye could see. Small caravans of fuel trucks moved slowly around the base like weary caterpillars. The airfield's runways, aprons, and revetments were jammed with aircraft, including B-24 Liberators, Douglas B-18 Bolos, British Hurricane Fighters, and transport planes of every hue and vintage. Waiting to take off when Arnold arrived were several squadrons of B-17 Flying Fortresses on their way to join the Eighth Air Force as replacement aircraft, Arnold's C-54 would be following one of the squadrons across the North Atlantic later that night. After an inspection tour of the military base, Arnold was scheduled to confer with Air Chief Marshal Sir Frederick Bowhill, the Royal Air Force's Commander-in-Chief of the Ferry Command, to discuss safer routes for his B-17 bomber crews on their flights from the United States to England. Bowhill was flying to Gander especially to meet him. While the Skymaster was being refueled, Arnold embarked on his tour with the local Army commander, periodically making notes in his confidential diary as they visited each installation on the post. The tone of his observations quickly became mocking. More men needed for the band, he recorded tartly at one point, and then, Our men poach on Canadian preserves. At the hospital, he wrote, Inspected hospital saw mostly injured from volleyball When he arrived for his conference with Air Chief Marshal Bowhill he learned that the RAF commander had been briefly delayed by bad weather Arnold waited 15 minutes before deciding that was long enough he ordered Captain Niswander the pilot of his C54 to prepare the plane for immediate takeoff to Prestwick Scotland their next destination Impatience It was the trademark of Arnold's life, both his blessing and curse. He was no armchair.